much. I don't have the energy for a witty or punny intro. It's too hot. I have become liquid. I is vapor. Is. This is yeah. awful. Yes. Yeah, I'm also now in uh, liquid form, just sitting here in a t-shirt. Just a t-shirt. Through, yeah, through. Well, and some shorts. Through absolutely no activity whatsoever. Um, A nice X-rated episode for everyone this week. I don't want to complain. I don't. I don't want to complain because the cold's worse. But but this humidity is a bit much. I mean, there is something to be said for the fact that British people struggle when it's either too hot or too cold, and then complain when it's neither of those things when it's in the middle. Well, you see, the thing is, we don't have aircon, so we prepare our houses for when it's really cold. But when it's really hot, we're just not prepared at all. Yeah, we're not. Anyway, yeah, with that, with that forty-five seconds or so of complete yeah. bluster, welcome to this week's Red Voices. It's uh, you and Leonard and Richard can to discuss last night's tight one-nil victory over Copenhagen in the quarterfinals of the Europa League. And Manchester United have a date with either Wolves or Sevilla at the time of recording. Richard, apart from hot and sweaty, how are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Um, it was a bit of a trial. The match was a bit of a trial last night, wasn't it? Um, it- yeah. Did you order extra time with your ninety minutes? I, did, I, did, I really did not want extra time with my 90 minutes, but um, nevertheless, extra time was delivered. It became a lot harder than, uh, a lot more frustrating and harder than we we perhaps anticipated. But I guess in the end, the result is what matters and we got through. True. Yeah, I mean, I guess, did we necessarily learn anything new from that two hours of football? I'm not necessarily sure we did. You know, the, the lineup was interesting for a couple of exclusions in the sense that Matic didn't start. Uh, Fred came in this place in that DM role, and then Eric Bailly was covering for Victor Lindelof in the centre of defence alongside Harry Maguire. But other than that, you know, he was pretty much the strongest side United can put out them for the meantime, right? Mm. You know, it it looked on paper like we could do some damage last night, and I guess the early off thing, especially in the first sort of five or ten minutes, Copenhagen were happy to sort of press us quite high up the pitch and pressure us, and. We didn't necessarily look too flaky, but nor did we look too comfortable with it either. And that, I guess that's one element in the last two months in particular that has been a little bit concerning going into the new season is that United still aren't that fantastic at playing out from the back, which is something that Solskjaer insists on, upon us doing as opposed to just punting it upfield. I mean, obviously every team's clearly conned on to the fact that we're, at, that we're pretty terrible at playing from the back. Um, and so they're all press, pressing us very high. Um and as we saw against West Ham, we saw against Southampton particularly, we didn't cope with it again. That's one of two things I think we learned from last night is that we still can't play through from the back. Even if you take Lindelof out and put Bailly in, I mean, Bailly has many attributes, but I'm not sure his his passing particularly is one of them. What what disappointed me was that that I'd certainly, I'd concluded, and I think there is something in it, that, that the last few games of the season we were very tired. I think that's natural. But I'd kind of told myself that after two weeks, two weeks off from competitive matches and with being able to play a um, a much changed team in the the second leg against um, Lask, that, that that this would be a much fresher um, and kind of more focused United team. And I think, I was, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I was quite disappointed to, to see that um, we weren't really, for, certainly for the first hour in that game and the first <clears throat> the first half an hour to thirty five minutes was pretty abject, to be honest. Um, mm. it, it really wasn't good, and uh, I mean, <clears throat> Romero didn't have a save to make in that period, but there were two or three occasions when Copenhagen really had sight as a goal that they they could have taken, or a better team would have taken advantage of. And you kind of get the feeling if United were to play, were to start against 
severe wolves like that in the semi-final we could find ourselves a couple of goals down before we actually get into the game yeah and i guess that's the concerning thing as well that united did take quite some time to really build up a head of steam and it didn't necessarily last that long you know the the last 10 minutes or so of the first half were much better you know we started to play with a bit more pace we started to break the lines a bit more you know fred was actually checking some really useful passes in when he wasn't you know making some abject decisions on the ball further back of the pitch and you know Greenwood had that excellent chance correctly ruled out for offside. There was uh, an interesting penalty decision. Referee seemingly throwing his hand down to the penalty spot and then uh, suddenly that was ruled off correctly, I guess, for offside. But United did grow in confidence a little bit as the half ended. And certainly, I mean, all through that two hours, we looked the more capable of scoring goals. It's just that Copenhagen certainly had more than enough moments. The easy thing to talk about, you know, we'll come up to the penalty and such as we sort of work our way through the game's bigger moments. But I think there's a couple of things that work to and against us in this match. You know, you look at Johnson's performance in net and you can say that that was a bona fide worldie. Was it Brad Friedel in disguise? Who can possibly say? I mean... What was it? 13 saves last night? And some of them he had absolutely no business saving and we should certainly have put away. You know, the Martial chance right before the penalty is the one that sticks out to me because nine times out of ten, you expect him to slot that beyond the keeper into the far corner, right? Mm. You know, and how many times could that potentially have happened? And we hit the woodwork three times. You know, Martial smacked it, Bruno hit it from long range, and then Victor Lindelof, uh, when we already 1-0 up in in the first half of extra time, hit the post from a corner. So... In some ways, you could take a couple of those chances, one or two of them goes and you're looking at a completely different result and Copenhagen don't necessarily have a chance to get back into the game and that nervy last 15 minutes doesn't even happen. On the flip side of that, United just didn't kill the game off at all, even when they went 1-0 up. You know, they, they were happy in the second half of extra time, presumably because of the stifling heat. Again, another reason why you could suggest or give the excuse that United won at their best. Um but we just didn't really go and kill the game off in that second half and we sat back and there's still not enough trust for me or belief in that back four. There's, you know, the, the back four doesn't necessarily trust in itself enough to be able to see through those moments. Those last 15 minutes were much nervier for me than they should have been. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I didn't, I didn't feel that nervy. And I don't know why. I mean, I probably should have been. It kind of felt that the key, the key decider in that game was... That when Copenhagen tired and as you say United really grew into the game but then having gone a goal up against a team who really hadn't th- threatened for a, a long period of, of time in the game we kind of then just sank back and I, and I know there's a degree of instinct where teams will kind of try and defend what they've got but United just aren't good enough at doing the defending to to be able to do that and I think a wider a wider point and it's a, it's a point we've talked about before is that as a team United season was transformed by the arrival of Bruno Fernandes and the creativity and the, the quality on the ball and the, the incisive passing in the final third that he brought, you know, completely changed United's threat as an attacking proposition. But it's been quite a f- few weeks now, or f- a few games where his passing, particularly in the final third, has been pretty terrible. And I think United suffered throughout from the fact that when Bruno's not on it, on it, we kind of fall back to what we were to a degree before his arrival at times. And I think that was the that was the real thing. I mean, I know he nearly scored with that brilliant shot from um, outside the box that hit the inside of the post. But his his pass completion, and I know he's trying harder passes, his pass completion was the worst 
of any United player on the pitch, and it and it showed. And mm-hmm. you, you could see Solskjaer at the end. You know that that conversation that was overheard between Solskjaer and, and Zeka with with Fernandez there. Solskjaer actually referenced the fact that Fernandez just kept giving the ball back to Copenhagen, um, and that that was a real problem for United last night. And there were just lots of little problems. Obviously, the finishing was finishing wasn't good enough uh, on several occasions. Rashford looks really low on confidence at the moment. He's not doing the things he used to do, and I. Th- I think not having Shaw on that side is is inhibiting him a little bit, uh, and there's mm. just lots of little things that came together. And obviously, the, the, the goalkeeper making three or four exceptional saves that just kind of blunted United and stopped us looking, you know, playing to our potential. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not necessarily sure how to fully feel about that game because, despite the fact that there's certainly been you know several elements of things that we've been talking about all season long, you know, pre and post Bruno in the sense that United have struggled in these circumstances in the last few months. But on the flip side of that, sometimes you simply just need to find a way to get through a game, yeah. right? And obviously with Johnson having such a blinder in net, that made life a lot more difficult. And again, on any and on another day, we could have scored three or four goals and we're talking about a completely different story. We might not be saying this is United at their free, free-flowing best, but still, at, you know, lethal. And I guess perhaps the lack of being lethal in front of goal was really what cost us today and a couple of defensive mix-ups as well. I mean, one thing, I guess before we get onto the penalty, which was, again, under the Stonewall penalty in a season full of Stonewall penalties, yeah. um, the fullbacks. Now, you mentioned Luke Shaw's absence. I thought Brandon Williams was having a really tough time against Guillermo Varela, former United defender there last night. It, I was concerned for him every time Varela approached him, and Falk as well was giving him some real trouble down Copenhagen's right flank for frequent occasions last night you know there was an excellent block by Wan-Bissaka when the ball was flashed across goal and you know Eric Bailly was required on several occasions due to some loose passing further up the pitch ahead of him to provide either a good block or a good tackle and thankfully he was up to the task you know I thought it was a pretty decent game from Bailly last night but the lack of I think it's maybe not maybe experience is the wrong word because you see plenty of young fullbacks. You know, you look at Trent Alexander Arnold, for example, who mixed that sort of defensive now with incredible ability going forward and helping to provide great crosses. But if you compare and contrast what United currently have to offer when it comes to lefts and right backs and providing a good solid basis for United to defend and combining that with great crossing ability and great ability to deliver a really key killing ball it's just not quite there or necessarily anywhere near there for where United really need it to be at the moment I don't feel no and I think I think that the the left back position is has been the most difficult in that Brandon Williams has done so well this season but he's still raw but I think both defensively and offensively and we so we saw both sides to that in the in that game he did struggle with the with with Varela getting forward a lot and we know that Varela's talents are, better, are more prolific going forward than perhaps he is as a, as a defender. But also when, when Williams was overlapping, a couple of times he, he got into really good positions and just took, chose the wrong option or, or, or didn't make the right decisions in the right areas of the pitch. And that's something that, I mean, ultimately he's not played left-back for the for a large proportion of his career or, or, or time at United from when he joined when he was whatever age. Um, and he, he was only moved to left-back as a result of Ethan Laird. Um so it almost feels like it's a position he's still trying to learn as well. But also, I think having Shaw there, and Shaw was playing well before his injury, having a left-footed left-back meant that he that he could just naturally overlap and, and was 
obviously on his stronger foot was able to 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 provide better delivery and have more confidence in himself and I think that's a real problem on that side and I think also as mm. we said on the right back Wan Bissaka I think has improved offen- offensively as the season's gone on but he's he's not there yet and and I, I think it's I, I think he struggled a bit with Greenwood being there as well and I think I think Greenwood's still learning that right wing position as well and so what we've had we had the the really strong partnership of Rashford and Shaw on the left hand side and and losing Shaw from that has kind of blunted that 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 duo on that side of the pitch and I think Greenwood's come in and there's an offensive force he's been brilliant but I don't feel there's a kind of a, a right hand side partnership between him and Aaron Wan-Bissaka that's that's really there yet now that they do seem to be sort of separate entities in that sense don't they? yeah exactly and so I, I think that's that's blunted us to quite a, a, a large degree since those changes have been been made because of injury and because Greenwood's coming in and done so well um, mm. So United haven't had the angles of attack perhaps that we had five six weeks ago um, in the in the last few games. Before we get onto extra time, let's uh, let, let's do something we haven't officially ever done before, Rich. Okay. Let's take a quick break. Let's do it. Support for this week's episode of Red Voices is brought to you by Manscapes, the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscapes have just launched in the UK and are bringing their waterproof long-life battery electric trimmer to you so you can trim your nether regions in comfort with a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and a nice LED for those hard-to-reach places. As a loyal listener to Red Voices, you can get free shipping and 20% off of Manscapes' products and packages, no pun intended, by using a special discount code. So to get 20% off and free shipping, use the code REDVOICES, or one word, at manscapes.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscapes.com using the code red voices i'm going to save this last line because it's marketing genius manscapes make your testies their besties so i saw on twitter just coming in to the first half of extra time someone likening the greenwood replacement for juan matter substitution with the infamous matter for powell sub in Van Hal's second season over at Wolfsburg. Now, at the time, I thought it was a little harsh, but credit to the diminutive Spaniard, he actually came on into the into extra time and actually had a really considerably useful effect. I've got to give it to him. I mean, he is not... I'm, I'm sure he's not played anywhere near as much as he would have liked over the, the post-lockdown period, but I guess this was not necessarily a reminder because I think every United fan knows that Juan Mata has got excellent nous. It's just necessarily his his body, as we said last week, can't keep up with his gargantuan footballing brain. But it was nice to see him come in and have a really positive effect last night, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, throughout this this season, um, Solskjaer's tended to use him um, more often than not at home, but 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 against teams who were likely to be compact and play a low block and we have to we have to play through them because if, even if his body's not um not what it was he still has that guile and that quality in his right foot and he's almost perfect you know perfect for bringing on in a situation like last night against tired opponents where his physical um sort of <clears throat> his physical impediments now aren't going to be as um important as they would be in starting a game um and he was just able to come on and just add add a a degree of quality on the ball and creativity that, that Greenwood wasn't perhaps giving us, and I think that the, that's the, the the one um thing that the, the, the Greenwood's not offering at the moment. Obviously, he's he's an absolutely impeccable finisher, and we saw that with twice really one with the goal that was ruled out, and one with the one that hit the inside of the post. But he's not, 
I don't think he's a creator yet. He's not an elite provider for other people. He's brilliant at creating chances for himself and, and executing them. And and Mata just was a, able to come on and, and, and almost be a focal point for creating for other people. United were different then. It gave us a bit more guile. It gave us some different angles of attack that we didn't have before. And we were less predictable. Mm. And yeah, it was really, it was really nice to see him contribute because a lot of people have questioned that contract that was given to him. I think apart from the fact that he's a really experienced head in the, in what's quite a young dressing room um, and, ov- and an obviously nice guy, I do think he's still got something to offer in small doses. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I think also in the... Uh, it's certainly in the first half of extra time and leading into the last sort of 10-15 minutes of regular time, it also helped that Martial was on an absolute bender. I mean, the... The run, I mean, it was an incredible... Who was it blocked by? Let's see if I've actually written it down. Yeah, it was Nelson with an incredible last-ditch challenge in the first, sorry, in the second half to stop him after a mazy run, you know. The only thing you could say about most of United's greatest moments last night was that they didn't shoot quick enough, I would say. You know, they were useful from shooting from long range, and that obviously troubled Johnson on several occasions. But I think... For all the great runs and great space that United actually created, they seemed to take one touch too many and seemed afraid to really let rip with a really great shot. And Martial was guilty of that a couple of times. I mean, Johnson's save from that chance in uh, in extra time leading up into the penalty was superb. But again, as we mentioned, Martial should have been scoring that. And I guess the interesting thing is you look at his reaction to missing that chance is that he took a couple of seconds to compose himself and then immediately he's back up and then winning us the penalty that goes on to win the game. You know, it's it's moments like that when people over the last several years, pretty much ever, ever since he's come to the club, really, that have consistently questioned his effort and, you know, his... I guess his, how much he actually cares about playing for the club and how much he actually cares about football and playing for the team, you know. And that's really reductive and very simplistic, but he's made that criticism far too easy to make, I think. And I think when you see things like yesterday, when you see the way that he keeps getting up, the way that he keeps running and keeps causing problems and keeps creating chances and keeps you know, consistently putting himself out there for the team, it's impossible to criticize. Well, it's very difficult to criticise him, really, isn't it? You know, it was great work. I think after, after the game, Robin Van Persie said that he's become a, a world-class centre-forward, and I'm not sure... I'm not sure he's quite there yet, but he is becoming a, t- a very high-level centre forward. We know we know about the, the the skills. We know about the ability to score brilliant goals. But what he's really added these, this season is, um, as well as a bit of physical power. I think you know Sol- Solskjaer said that he's added some bulk and and strength. But he's actually playing mm. with his back to goal now, and obviously that was a situation that that created the penalty really him receiving the ball back to goal and trying to spin the defender and being being brought down and I think you're just seeing a guy now who for the first time in a very long time is is really confident and who, who feels that he has trust um, hmm. and I think you know go, obviously we we saw a very a kind of breakout talent in uh, under Van Hal, but then when Mourinho came in it never really seemed to take to him and there were when his number was given to Ibrahimovic and when, you know, while he was in a good period of form, United bought Sanchez and he was suddenly dropped. You know, he's had these these moments where he, he looks like he could break out or, or really get on the, onto something. And then something that's not his fault has come along and knocked him back. And I, I've always wondered, I don't, I'm, it's hard to tell because he's always so expressionless, but I always got the impression with Martial that his problem is that he's, 
his head drops or his head used to drop in situations where he's having a tough game or he's not confident or or whatever else and I think that sometimes came across as not not trying as much as he could and I think what you're seeing now is a guy who for a whole season has had a a, a manager who said to who said to him from the very start you're my guy you're playing here that's your position nobody's going to come and take it from you listen to me and you'll be a great centre forward and you could I've seen I've seen Martial smile more in the last three or four weeks than I have in 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 the entire since the entire time he's been at United and you can just and mm. I, and I think that's replicated throughout the squad, isn't it? We've got lots and lots of players in that squad who have, were were cowed to a degree under under Mourinho, who are now looking like they're really happy, um, mm. and it's it's showing on the pitch. Um, yeah, and I, I do think he's becoming a really really high class centre forward. Yeah, I mean it's going to be interesting when this Europa League campaign, whenever it does end, is over. And we've come to our player reviews episode because very few players have come close to matching what Martial has brought all season long in a United shirt. So I'm interested to see what you and Paul reckon for player of the season. But yeah, leading up to that penalty then, another great piece of work from him. And then Bruno bamboozles Johnson and was actually able to get the ball past him and for it actually to actually count for the first time in the evening. It was it was the the dunking of that little skip that he did before and he went for pure power this time it worked really well didn't it yeah I mean if there's one thing that Bruno consistently is doing incredibly well it's taking penalties <laughs> and scoring big penalties yeah as well. scoring big penalties I mean I, I suppose the one the one thing about him is that even when he's absolutely stinking it up which he probably has in his last four or five games at the very least I mean he, he keeps uh, just just I don't think he stank it up yesterday to all right be fair okay to when, him. I when think there was more than enough on there when he's gifting possession away a lot when he's not getting those passes right when when he's when he's struggling to have the impact that he was having in the uh, you know the first two or three months of his of his time at united he still keeps trying those things so he doesn't yeah. he doesn't hide he doesn't he doesn't stop trying things because he doesn't want to mess another one up and i think the penalties are an example of his mentality which is whatever else is happening whatever else he's, do, he's done a minute ago on the pitch whether it's gone right or whether it's gone wrong he still has complete faith in his ability to execute something and the penalties are the example of that and united used to have i always remember um Eden hazard on on penalties and i don't know if he ever missed one i can't recall him ever missing one and without fail the keeper would generally get nowhere near it and he's almost like that you know he's got he he's now shown another string to his penalty taking bow so next time he takes one the keeper's not thinking well he's going to hop hop and step and if i move he'll go the other way so i need to stop doing that now the goalie doesn't know if he's just going to whack it so as much as his abilities he's also brought a mentality to united that we perhaps didn't have and when we've had those little um, moments of um, having to watch Andreas Pereira again in in that in that <laughs> position when he's come on as a sub for Bruno you immediately see the difference where Pereira doesn't have the confidence to take thing the same sorts of things on that Bruno does well and the ability is the the big difference as well, well isn't well, it well it know, is it, but it, it comes one comes from the other doesn't it one stems from the other i think yeah sure um and i guess you know the other Big thing that I remember from extra time was Copenhagen being so thoroughly knackered that they let Nemanja Matic waltz through them like a ballerina. It was absolutely beautiful. What sort of dire straits must you be in fitness-wise to allow ostensibly the slowest person in a red shirt to waltz through your def- your your entire midfield like that? It was superb. I loved every second of it and I've fully enjoyed it. Do you remember that, um, that carrot goal at QPR from the halfway line? 
I do. Yes. I mean, you must be in a similar state to to that QPR team because I, I still <laughs> I still really can't quite comprehend how Michael Carrick kind of titanicked his way from the halfway line through to into the uh, QPR area and, and scored. Um, yeah, it, yeah. it would have been a bit like that if he'd um, if he'd finished it off. Yeah, I guess the only other thing to mention, you know, in terms of how that game wound up, you know, they, as mentioned, Copenhagen didn't have a shot on target, was it, for the entirety of the two hours? So Romero wasn't necessarily needed to be called into action for too much, if at all, yesterday. But, you know, there were, there were plenty of moments where Copenhagen could have turned a situation into a much more dangerous opportunity, and they didn't quite have the ability to do so. I think they perhaps... I, I don't know whether it's as simple easy to still I think it may be a bit too reductive to say that United necessarily expect a difficult game here because Solskjaer knows uh Salis Dalvaken so it's not like he, the game that he wanted to play for this Copenhagen side would have surprised Oli in any way I don't know I mean I don't necessarily think United were anywhere near as sharp as they can be but I think you know if we take away the more longer term issues you know perhaps the lack of attacking ability on you know, the left and right back and the wing backs the you know difficulty sometimes in terms of losing possession in very poor areas and you know the trouble with passing out from the back slash playing out from a high press there are a couple of things that still lead me to think that United can still have a really enjoyable tournament here and I think partly you look at the fact that we did despite not being anywhere near our fluent best create a lot of chances and the way that we turn those opportunities into goals is perhaps by taking one touch less and just being a lot quicker and a lot sharper with our finishing and if we turn that around, then we've got every chance of beating either Wolves or Severe, depending on who we play. You know, I think let's have a quick check of the score, shall we, Rich? Live on air, because we're not going to be finished with uh, the winner of this by the time we're done recording. So it's nil-nil, and you said Wolves have had a penalty saved in the first half. Yeah, Adama Traore did a, an insanely fast and powerful run from the halfway line, got hacked down. And then Raul Jimenez oh. took what must have been his worst penalty in history. Oh, Just bless him, I like gently him. side-footed it to the, to the goalie's left and... It was patted away. Who would you rather play, given the choice, out of Wolves and Sevilla? I'm so sick of playing Wolves, honestly. <laughs> I really, I, 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 I suspect, just I suspect Sevilla are a better side on you know on, on any given day if they played each other a hundred times. I think Sevilla would probably just about come out on top, but um, mm. I, I, I just don't want to play Wolves again, really. Well, I mean, if we look at Sevilla over the end of the La Liga season, they finished uh, fourth, just uh, behind Atletico Madrid on goal difference on 70 points. Uh, the last five games, they won four and drew one. Uh, 54 goals scored, which was not anywhere near the highest in the Liga, but they had the third best defence behind Atleti and Real Madrid with 34 so they might not necessarily score a lot, but they concede very few by the look of it. So it looks like it could be another miserly one. And I guess you would hope that our attacking abilities and the players that we have up front would be able to make themselves you know, be able to stand up and be counted in those moments. Because if it's going to be another tight game similar to what it was, similar to what we had last night, it will come down to essentially who can deliver when they get their chances. And... I think if we're going to be relying on our forward players to try and get us through that game, then I'm feeling pretty confident about it. You know, again, if if it ends up being Wolves for the seven billionth time in the last eighteen months, two years now, I mean, I'm unsure that Oli has the ability to try and get past Nuno in a really tight game like that. I think there's a lot up for debate in terms of how good Oli can be when he's coming up against a man who arguably has better tactical chops than he has. You know, the, the jury is still out on that. 
And, you know, you look at the way that previous games against Wolves have done, they're such attritional battles. You know, neither team scored many goals. And I think the greatest margin of victory has been one goal every time we played each other over the last couple of years. So whatever happens, it will be incredibly tight. And I think there's also, you know, I mean, to round off the evening, I reckon you know, we look at the fact that United have now reached three semi-finals in Solskjaer's first full season. Despite the fact that, you know, obviously one of the prizes for winning the Europa League is a Champions League place, there's still a lot riding on Solskjaer proving that he can take United to that next step now. He's gotten us into three semi-finals. He needs to take us onto a final and win a trophy now, I think. Yeah, it's not the be-all, end-all, because obviously the real key of this season was getting back into the Champions League, not just for the club going forward in terms of bringing in new players, but also financially, as grim as that is. But I I don't know, what do you, what do you reckon? Do you think there's still a fair amount of pressure, as there rightfully should be, on Solskjaer to actually bring home the bacon on this occasion? It's difficult. Ultimately, and I know it sounds absolutely terrible, but you know, getting getting in the top in the top four, from where, particularly where we were back in January was always the primary objective because in terms of United's medium-term future under under Solskjaer, we, we've got to three semi-finals for the first time in a very long time. I can't remember exactly what year it was, but but it's it's been a long, long time since we've, we've made three semi-finals in a season. It would be nice for us to, to, get, a, to get a trophy. Uh, but I, I can also recognise that Inter are a very good team. I think both of these these got these teams are good teams. To win it, United will have to be at their best. And and, and particularly in these one these one game knockout ties, you know, anything can really happen. So I I think if we didn't win it, I wouldn't I wouldn't judge Solskjaer too harshly. But let's say we we sign Jaden Sancho, perhaps a, a centre back or or whatever. We get a couple of players in this summer. I think once you you look at it then, I think to, next season is the season where you you we, we, it's reasonable to expect Solskjaer to start really getting very very close if not delivering trophies whatever trophy that might be so this season kind of feels like it would be nice but it's not the end of the world but then if we we spend 150 million on another couple of players and one of them's essentially world-class winger then I think you need to be you need to start really delivering I mean you mentioned world-class wingers (laughs) I mean the last few days I mean some people don't know they're born. Do they not recall how arduous and torturous and, may I add, long the Paul Pogba transfer saga was in the summer of 2016? Like, this is nothing. Like, all right, Zork coming out and saying, yeah, we're so pleased that Sancho is going to be staying. And then you've got the likes of Aris Witzel and Emre Chan and uh, Haaland coming out saying, oh, it's so great that Sancho is staying. You know, he's a player such high calibre and everything. That obviously completely blitzing past the fact that Dortmund have got previous for doing this exact same thing of bigging up a player's, you know, staying at the team before selling them on a couple of weeks later. My one piece of advice for anyone listening, and I know there is at least one of you, would be to just, you know, chill out. It's really hot at the moment, especially where we are. Just, you know, have a nice glass of water. Whatever will be, will be. You know, it'd be nice to have Sancho, don't get yeah. me wrong. And I still think it's going to happen. I'm not saying I've got any insider knowledge because who would give me their insider knowledge? But regardless, I, I feel like United have spent this much time hyping at the transfer. They will have known what fees they were dealing with. I don't think United get this deep into a transfer for a play they really want and come out of it empty-handed. I think it's likely to happen. One thing from this week that really demonstrates how we shouldn't really trust any information we're given... Um, through the media is that 
not a single journalist knew that Sancho's new contract that was signed last summer ran until 2023. Absolutely everybody had, had assumed that he, it was just running two more, year, uh, two more years. So we've had, for the last week or last two weeks, we've had on the German side, Christian Falk, we've had Jan Fjortoft talking about what they believe the situation is. And on the other side, we've had the usual British mank pack, you know, parroting the briefs from, from United verbatim at, at exactly the same time every night. What that should tell you is the only information that's coming out is what United and Dortmund want to come out. And it's it's all just pantomime, isn't it? Anybody who's reacting to the latest soundbite, the latest bit of snippet of information from Germany or from from this country, the chances are the person who's telling you doesn't really know what the actual situation is. And so there's no point in going this emotional roller coaster. will we, won't we? Because nobody's got a clue what's happening. You know, the ch- I, think, I think you're right. I think the chances are, by the end of the summer, Sancho will probably be a United player. But, you know, who knows? And, 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 I, and I don't think any of the, the various journalists that are giving us the scoop from their end really know either. Hmm. There's no point in expending energy or anger or frustration on it. We just, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot more to life than than, than transfers, <laughs> and we don't know what's going on. That, that's true. Yeah. Now we haven't got a bloody clue at no. this stage. So, I mean, let, let's leave it there. We'll be re- uh, reconvening on Sunday night for the semi-final against either Wolves or Sevilla ahead of a. Gosh, wouldn't it be cool to be in a Europa League final three years on after our th- last final, potentially yeah. with a chance to move on. With some substance, yeah. that would be wonderful. Yeah. I mean, not that we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's just reconvene on Sunday and see how it all plays out, shall we, Rich? Let's do it. Right, everyone, thanks for joining this week. Pleasure as always to have you with us. And don't forget, I'm assuming you are following us at this point, but if you're not, why not do so over Twitter? You can find the podcast at Red Voices MUFC. You can find me at Ewan Like This, Rich at Rich Red Voices, and Paul at Paul Gunning One. And the podcast itself can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, basically anywhere you could possibly want a podcast. And finally, don't forget 20% off and free shipping for all products and packages at manscaped.com using the code Red Voices. That's all one word. So head over to manscaped.com and take a look at their actually quite cool stuff. We'll be back after the Sunday semi-final against either Sevilla or Wolves. Let's have yourselves a superb week and fingers crossed we're celebrating a place in the Europa League final when we're with you next week. Take care. Bye. <laughs>